This week's episode is sponsored by Jagged Edge Productions and ITN Studios' Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey 2. Only in theaters, March 26th to March 28th. The suspenseful and thrilling sequel to last year's immense hit, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, amplifies the gore factor with ten times the number of kills to put fans both new and old at the edge of their seats. After Christopher Robin reveals their existence, Winnie the Pooh, Piglet, Tigger, and Owl land on the endangered species list as hard targets. Unwilling to hide in the shadows, the ultimate scream team embarks on a murderous rampage through the town of Ashdown to get their revenge on Christopher Robin, once and for all. So don't miss out, and mark your calendars to catch the limited engagement of Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey 2, only in theaters March 26th to March 28th. Tickets are available now. This is the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. I just love horror movies. Yeah, nothing like the sound of kids screaming in terror to make you feel all warm inside. Boils and ghouls, lock your doors and strap yourselves in. From Los Angeles, California, Bloody Disgusting presents the Boo Crew Podcast. Horror news, commentary, reviews, interviews, and more. With your hosts, Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. Let us do it. I'm Leo. I'm Lauren. I'm Trevor, and we are the Boo Crew. Welcome to episode 222. Here's a Boo Crew Fright Fact. In 1942's Cat People, the movie was in theaters so long that critics who had originally bashed the film were able to see it again, and many rewrote their reviews with glowing praise. Meow! This time around, you are joined by actor Kiara Aurelia. At time of release, her new show, Cruel Summer, premieres April 20th on Freeform and Hulu, with new episodes airing Tuesdays. We'll talk all about this unique psychological thriller that unfolds simultaneously over three years in the 90s. The challenges and excitement that comes with bringing that to life. We'll also get into Kiara's personal history in the genre, including her unforgettable role in Mike Flanagan's superb Gerald's Game, and so much more. Episode 222 starts now. This is Kiara Aurelia, and you're listening to another terrifying episode of The Boo Crew. Jeanette, right? Yeah, it's my birthday. Happy birthday. We all want what we can't have, even if we have to change ourselves to get it. You think that one day I'm just going to be pretty and popular? Well, if that's what you want. But there are some moments in life that change us forever. A local teenager has now been missing for four days. Friends and family of Kate Wallace describe her as a popular and fun-loving young girl. Jeanette, wake up. Your lawyer is here. Which one? What does it matter? Can you please just give me a minute? Happy birthday. Go ahead, scream. That's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy. Joining Bloody Disgusting's Boo Crew via the Speakeasy Studio is an incredible actor and storyteller who got her start in short films, including 2014's Dead Celebrity and Opal, which quickly earned her a Best Young Artist Award. She went on to TV roles in the Emmy-winning CSI, Teen and People's Choice winning Pretty Little Liars, and more. 2015 brought us her first feature film, Big Sky, alongside Kira Sedgwick and Bella Thorne. Her role in Mike Flanagan's Gerald's 
game for Netflix was so powerful, it brought her the BAM and Young Entertainer Award, and she did it again with her portrayal of Misty in Alex Pettiford's Back Roads. She can be most recently seen as Rose Lord on Amazon's Tell Me Your Secrets. She's astonishing to watch and has the ability to tap into so much emotion, giving all of her characters an immaculate sense of gravity. Her newest project is an insanely gripping show for Freeform that will wrap you up in its mysteries and gives her a wonderful role to explore in Jeanette. Taking place over three years from 1993 to 1995, it takes you with her on her journey from going from a sweet, awkward outcast to the most popular girl in school to the most hated person in the country, all surrounding the disappearance of a local teen who had it all. It's called Cruel Summer, executive produced by Jessica Biel. A time of release premieres April 20th on Freeform and Hulu. We are honored to welcome its star, Chiara Aurelia. Yeah. Woo. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that was a great introduction. Thank you so much. Well deserved. And again, hey, congratulations on this amazing show. What a page turner it is, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. So much. My so gosh. So as a mystery thriller, this really does dive into horror adjacent territory. And you've had experience in darker projects like this for sure. Tell us about your relationship with the horror genre as a viewer. What was the first time you saw a horror movie? How did it make you feel? Uh, what was the first time I saw a horror movie? I mean, that's a hard one. I honestly think the first horror movie I ever saw was The Shining. I was a huge Stephen King fan before I worked on Gerald's Game. And I had watched a lot of his movies. My family's really into Hitchcock as well. So we would kind of tapped into that. I was honestly a, a lot more terrified of horror films before I started working on them. I could not watch them alone or at night or in any sort of environment that was scary in any capacity, but kind of being able to dive behind the scenes. I think there's something even more special about that that made it a lot more enjoyable to watch and also to be a part of. When was the last time that you saw something in the genre that really stuck with you? I know I saw something recently that I really liked, but I can't remember what it was. There were so many good horror films and like psychological thrillers in the last year or two. Did you ever get into the Ari Aster films? Like, like Hereditary, Hereditary or Midsommar? Yes. Hereditary very much scared me a lot. <laughs> you know what I think? I hadn't seen Midsommar until recently. I think it was like four five months ago and that that one definitely stuck with me there was something about um the you know the introduction i guess into the film that like shakes you to the core and you love a good movie that can kind of leave you affected you're thinking about it for days following it so i think that would probably be a big one for me let's go back in time to your first taste of horror as an actor which would likely be Colin Campbell's award-winning short film, The Sound of Fear, which is fantastic. What did you enjoy about playing that intensive role at that point in, in your career as an actor? Yeah, that was definitely my first toe in the water in the kind of horror genre. It was amazing. I think kind of just watching the process of Colin put that together and the different actors that were involved in that were amazing. I think that it was a it was a great experience. You know, it was all filmed at night over the course of I think like three or four, three or four nights, and it was 
It was it was a good time. <laughs> <laughs> so what? Did, I, I, as I understand, it was the the short that exists as we can see it. The eight minute short is like an excerpt from a larger narrative that was planned, and it was kind of a pitching point to launch off a, a feature film. Did anything ever transpire with that, or what ended up happening? I wasn't necessarily involved in those conversations. I believe I don't think anything has happened thus far, but we have all the time in the world. I think that you know maybe the pandemic has uh, stirred some new interests in a future. I would love to be a part of that. Sure. Now it's fantastic. We got to talk a bit about Gerald's game in 2017 and working with Mike Flanagan. And you had this tremendous weight of anchoring Carla Gugino's Jesse and these very heavy moments with her and a very impactful and frankly hard to watch scene with Henry Thomas inside the summer house where you have a lot of very heavy lines. How did that experience change you? That experience, I think, it was the first, a, a really big milestone in me as an actress and as a human being. I feel like that kind of taught me a lot about the the actor that I want to become. I mean, for starters, I was working with so many incredible, talented people. I mean, I watched Henry Thomas my whole childhood, and I loved E.T. E.T. is like one of my favorite movies, and I'm actually want to get a little et tattoo but um it was like i was immersed just being able to work with him and then on top of that carlo gugino who's this incredible talent and these amazing people and i was kind of one of the only kids on set if not the only so being able to like observe these people in their environment and watch you know mike create this vision that he had in his head and talk us through this process it was it was a huge stepping point for me and definitely something that has affected me in every job I've worked on after that and, you know, every day from then on. Where was that filmed? That beach was beautiful. Um, that was real. I mean, there was not a lunar eclipse, yeah. but, but <laughs> yeah. we were we filmed in Mobile, Alabama. And then across the there's a there's a big bridge and across is Fairhope, Alabama. So most of the parts with Carla and Bruce and over the course of most of the movie was shot in Mobile. But for our scenes on the beach and my scenes with Henry, it was all in this tiny little town in the middle of nowhere called Fairhope. Being as young as you were and with the gravity of that, those kind of scenes and an expert like Flanagan, how are scenes like that elevated and also nurtured on set? It's it's a very it's a very touchy touchy subject, especially when you're filming something like that. I I gravitate towards roles that have magnitude like that that I feel like are touching on something that people don't generally want to talk about, and there's something very appealing to that for me because these are experiences that people have faced in their lives that are very real and true and raw, and I think you know it's a lot of pressure to want to do something like that justice, but I believe so you know. On set, you know, a lot of people would ask me, they'd be like, why are you doing like, this is really tough. What, what is the, why are you choosing to do this? You seem like a nice person. <laughs> you don't seem uh, too concerning. And I, um, you know, I always responded, this is what I love to do. And I'm telling someone's story and that's what makes me happy. You know, Mike very strategically placed 
us in these scenes and these moments and talked us through it and made it really comfortable with, you know, with such a kind person like Henry as your scene partner, there's kind of all of that concern or worry has kind of dissipated very quickly. I, I, it might've been a different experience with someone else, but with, you know, those two um, incredible men uh, leading us through that process, I think that it was uh, it was much easier than it seemed. <laughs> sure. Unforgettable moments and kudos to you on pulling that off. It's uh, yeah, unbelievable. So let's get into this new show, Cruel Summer. You get to do so much in each episode as you're playing three completely different sides of Jeanette colored by the moments that have occurred over three years and really an unheard of opportunity and challenge for an actor. So what are the things that excited you and intimidated you about going out for this project to begin with? I I mean, everything intimidated me um, and everything excited me. I, um, I remember first kind of receiving this audition opportunity and I was kind of like, this could happen. Like, this is a real concept. I, um, my team and I have the running joke. They're like, you don't want to play just one person. You need to play three or it's not enough for you. It needs to be so hard that it's you're bent over backwards. It's so challenging or you don't want to do it. I, I think it was a huge challenge and also a huge opportunity. I mean, you talk a lot about kind of like one-sided characters or, you know, versus like three-dimensional people. And I think that's something I always aspire to is to work on three-dimensional characters. And I think as a woman and as an actress, all you want is for someone to see that there can be a lot more going on than just one thing or one image or one stereotype. So to kind of have the opportunity with these people to step out of the stereotype and and show that there is so much happening, especially over such developmental years in, um, in Jeanette Turner's life um, was all around uh, something that I immediately knew I wanted to be a part of if at all possible and uh filming it was only only better (laughs) what sorts of challenges did the audition process bring not maybe having the opportunity to have a set of braces or your clothing change or anything like that i went in kind of not expecting anything i had just assumed that they would cast someone much older and much different and not like me and i kind of went in going you know i'm just gonna do it and it's gonna be fine I, in my audition, I went in with a jacket on zipped all the way to the top with my hair in a low ponytail. And I, because we, our first scene was in 1993, which is like the dorkier side of her. And I kind of went in all awkward and the casting director told, uh, told me afterwards, yeah, we immediately thought you were not right for this role because you went in all, you know, gawky and uncomfortable. We were like, this is, this is not our girl, but we'll read with her anyway. And then for the second scene, I like pulled my hair out of the ponytail and took off my jacket, which was in 1994 and kind of, you know, had blossomed into this new person. And then for 95, put my jacket back on and like was slouched down in my chair. Um, it definitely was, it, it would have been much, much easier if we had kind of all of the tools available to us at the time. But uh, there was something challenging and super fun about it, I think. For yeah, me that's personal. very smart. That's awesome to hear, yeah. actually. Yeah. <laughs> the Boo Crew will be right back. There is no way for you to prepare yourself for the emotional impact of this motion picture. Therefore, no one will be seated during a special shock recovery period after each showing. Sisters, 
They were Siamese twins at birth, but what the devil hath joined together, let no man cut asunder. Rated R. Remember, a shock recovery period follows each showing of sisters for you to regain your composure. Yeah, on playing the three different versions of, of uh, Jeanette, you almost, each almost with its own personality, appearance, and attitude. Were there days set aside for each Jeanette, or can you take us behind the scenes and talk about the filming process for each version of you? There was very much not days set aside for each year. We would go in kind of um, in the morning. We had su- such an amazing team, like hair and makeup and wardrobe wise. I honestly would just like sit down and I'd be like, make me look different. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we would kind of go in sometimes in the morning and start in 95 in a really, you know, somber place. And then all of a sudden we'd be in 93 and Jeanette would be with her best friends and it would be very happy and light. And then we'd be in 94 and then maybe back in 95 at the end of the day. There was definitely a, a limitation to how many switches we could do in a day just because of the sets had to drastically change. The hair and makeup had to drastically change. And there was a lot of time that went into that. But they definitely did not veer away completely from at time jumps throughout the day. Wow. And how did wow. like, you know, not only does the look of everything change, but the the weight of stress on the characters faces change. You could see them wearing the experiences over the past years that we are as an audience aren't privy to yet. Is there someone there guiding that process to you as actors and maintaining that continuity? Like, here's here's what's gone on in your character's life up to this point. Access that space. How does that work? It definitely could be it could be a little bit tough at times. We also would occasionally be, you know, filming a scene from another episode and it would get, you know, with three years and 10 episodes, there's a lot going on and it's very hard to keep track. We had Michelle Purple and Bill Purple and Jessica Beale and Tina Politano, who are like the most amazing, <laughs> most amazing creatives I think I've ever worked with, who are so grounding and so centering and there were so many moments throughout the season where I was like, where am I? What am I doing? Please tell me what's going on. But they did an incredible job of keeping you really focused on what was happening. And if you needed to kind of take a five minute break and just catch yourself up and mentally regroup and figure out where you are, you know, that team as well as the whole crew was really, really great at making it not feel overwhelming, even if it, you know, the weight of it was a lot on some days. And yeah, you mentioned Jessica Beal and, you know, having her attached as executive producer. So there was substantial involvement from her in this project that, that you dealt with in particular as well. Yeah, yeah. Jessica was super involved, you know, due to the COVID of it all. She wasn't on set as much as I think she had hoped. But we all, you know, we were a big family. We all had very close relationships, lots of group chats, lots of texting and phone calls and catch ups. It was really uh telling and and super incredible to have someone kind of guiding us along this journey especially a strong female creative who had you know worked in this industry kind of as someone around my age at one point so there was definitely a lot of wisdom that i could learn from her 
Did you ever get a chance to watch her in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the remake? I love that movie. <laughs> I do love Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I I kind of did a big uh, a big binge on a lot of Jessica Biel uh, films and projects that I hadn't already seen or rewatched when I signed on to the project and all was incredible. I mean, even The Sinner, I, you know, Michelle Purple, our other executive producer, also produced that with her. And I, I only hope that we can, you know, stay in that similar vein of psychological thriller. I, I love it a lot. This camaraderie with you and Alias Barnes, who plays Vince and, and Harley Quinn Smith, who oh, plays yeah. Mallory, is so tangible and fun to watch. What did you love about working with those two? Uh, <laughs> they were my best friends in real life and on screen. Harley was texting me approximately five minutes ago. We all got so insanely close over the course of this show. And you hear people say that and you're like, is it really true? I'm like, no, we are all, we are all, we all have really close relationships. Me and Olivia and Elias and Harley and everyone involved, Froy. It's really nice because I think that when you develop that kind of relationship off screen, it can very much translate on screen and, you know, having the closeness and comfortability that we all felt with one another, it made going to work such a happy, enjoyable experience. And it, you know, became something where you didn't want to leave at the end of the day because you were just playing with your best friends, which was really wonderful. Without revealing any uh, spoilers, uh, what, what version of Jeanette was your favorite to play? Hmm. I can't choose because I think that the reason that 93 is great and the reason that 94 is great and the reason that 95 is great is because they all balance each other so well. And I think that the best part was being able to play all of them and being able to kind of use them to bounce off of one another. So I think it's, it's too hard to split them up. I think my favorites probably there's some time in between the years as the season goes on where you're kind of watching Jeanette transform from 93 to 94 or 94 to 95 or 95 to what would potentially be 96. I think those are some amazing times of, you know, growth and watching how, uh, you know, little tiny bits and pieces can kind of trail into the person that she's becoming. Being that you didn't grow up in the 90s, was there anything on set that you were like, what is this? Like a a VCR. Like My kids wouldn't know what to do with that. Like, were there anything that was confusing prop wise or? Oh, 100%. There were so many confusing things. It was Olivia who was like, what's a Walkman? (laughs) She was holding it and she was like, what is this heavy thing? And she like couldn't fit it into her fanny pack and she was so confused. <laughs> oh she was my like, God. I there's definitely a lot of those moments. You know, even like a lot of like 90s music that I, you know, I thought I knew. I I was like, I'm cool. I I know 90s music. And then I was like, never mind, I don't, you know, kind of just being able to tap into that and also like the wardrobe and you know, the different styles and different, you know, even the way people talked back then was, you know, kind of different. There was certain words and slangs that you know we don't quite use today so i think just learning about that was super cool after seeing these fully produced episodes the magic and how it takes us on that journey a journey is very much also about the ripple effect caused by the power of one's decisions in life we see completely different color palettes emerge as well and really neat things in the edit You know, you roll over, we go to another year, you you look in the mirror, it becomes another year. And by the time 95 rolls around, everything goes from vibrant and electric to desolate drab and this blue green tint. What do you think about that presentation? 
I think it's amazing. I think there was so much detail by the you know cinematographers and the directors and the editors that went into you know the slight nuance changes that kind of allow you to settle and realize where you are and what's happening. I I don't think the show you know a big concern when we were filming not from us but just you know people were obviously like what what can are people going to be able to tell where they are and what's going on? I've had a couple people who watching the trailer and they're like are all of those people you <laughs> and i'm like yeah they're like eh, it looks like someone else so it definitely you know it's definitely concerning to make sure that people are aware of what's happening with you know so many different characters and storylines but i think that those kind of slight subtleties that they added make a huge difference when watching the show and were you know amazing and even the slight tonal changes in you know, Kate's perspective as well. It's, it's, it's all different and it all has its own feel, which I think is wonderful. And we've heard that you guys weren't given complete scripts as far as the beginning of the series and the end of the series. And mm. I'm wondering what are the benefits to the performance when you yourself are unaware of the finish line? How does that, like, what does that ignite in you and the other actors? There is a benefit and I think there's pros and cons to, you know, both sides of it. I definitely think that we were all so fascinated and immersed in the story that we wanted to push through so badly just so that we could figure out what was going to happen in the end. Um, I mean, we were obsessed. We, I, I mean, I was obsessed. Michelle has some great anecdotes about me like being like very like sneaky trying to figure out what the ending was <laughs> and her very much not telling me uh, i remember i was sitting in her office once and i think we were filming like episode three and there was a wall and it had episode four episode five episode six episode seven episode eight episode nine episode ten and i very like quickly like <laughs> tried to run over and she was like those aren't current <laughs> and i was like but can i read them and she was like no <laughs> and i was like okay <laughs> but yeah it, it kept us very much on the edge of our seat i think you know character wise and and storyline wise there was definitely aspects of it that we needed to be aware of which they made us aware of in order to kind of make our choices educated but you know, there was little bits that I would know about, you know, Jeanette's journey. And then there was a little bits that Olivia would know about Kate's journey and little bits that Harley would know about Mallory's journey and so on and so forth to where, you know, we never were quite, we never quite got it until we got it. And then we were like, oh my God, there was a moment on episode two though, where I thought I figured out the ending and I did actually get a really good idea based off of something that, um, our director accidentally said, Oh, over. that's all- <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's so fun. And that that's what makes watching this show so fun. There's so many things yeah. you can watch and pick up on and maybe it leads to something. Maybe it doesn't, we don't know yet. And that's right. all part of the journey and being able to watch that journey yeah. through what you've created as Jeanette is just, just a real treat. And thank you so much for that. You're amazing. You. Thank you guys so much. So lastly, before we let you go, Looking forward into the future, we've also heard that you are a part of Netflix's upcoming adaption of R.L. Stein's Fear Street books. And these are some of the most highly anticipated Netflix releases this year. What can you tell us about that? Uh, Fear Street. Um, yeah, another one in the horror vein. Fear Street was incredible. I'm a part of the Fear Street trilogy and it's coming out in the summer of 2021 and you guys are just going to have to wait and watch it but I'm super excited. It's going to be great. It's going to be really great. Bloody? The tone? Is it like goosebumps or like a little <laughs> darker? 
I think you're going to have to wait and you're going to have to watch the whole thing the night it comes out and you're going to have to tell me. All right. (laughs) We'll do it. Well, Kiara, thank you so much again for making this possible. We love it. Thank you so much for having me, guys. That was the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 222. Special thanks to our guest, Kiara Aurelia. Follow her on Instagram at Kiara Aurelia and check out her new amazing psychological thriller, Cruel Summer. At the time of release, premiering April 20th with new episodes every Tuesday on Freeform and Hulu. Production tracks provided by Powerman 5000. Till next time, it's the Boo Crew saying sweet screams. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at TalesFromTheBoo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shand, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shand. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation, part of the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Bye! The Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network, home of the Boo Crew. For horror-centric interviews, SCP archives, weekly full-cast storytelling, horror queers, genre commentary from an LGBTQ perspective, and creepy for disturbing and terrifying creepypastas. Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts.